Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 392 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Thanksgiving week. We are obviously recording this before Thanksgiving week, but as people are hearing it, I'm, I'm like smelling pie virtually. I'm thinking right now about Turkey because turkeys are constantly walking through my backyard. Um, like so much that I'm like, is anybody going to just like eat those turkeys? (laughs) So it feels very brazen. Yeah, because they just strut right past my window. And I'm like, don't you know that like everybody wants you right now? (laughs) That is so foreign to me. This is like where (laughs) the differences in our um, living situations are just so clear. I saw you had snowy Instagram stories the other day and I was picking avocados off my tree that are ripe. So it's a, it's a very different world we're living. And actually speaking of that, I thought we could share a little bit before we get into the meat of today's episode. I thought we could share what we're doing this week, Thanksgiving week, because mostly because I want to share that I'm going to be in Mexico uh, Thanksgiving week, which is very unusual for for our family tradition. And we're mixing it up this year and it's just the five of us and we're headed out of town and we're going to be gone through. We come home on Thanksgiving day, which is going to be very bizarre, but I am glad because then it, that means I get the back half of the weekend, the long weekend still to putter around my house and make things Christmassy. So how about you? What are you doing this week? Okay. Well, before I get into what I'm doing, I have to ask you two questions. First of all, do you know, is is Thanksgiving the kind of holiday where if you travel on Thanksgiving, it's just kind of like a ghost town in the airports or is it going to be crazy? I think usually traveling on the holiday itself is a good strategy, right? I think it would be. And I mean, everything has changed so much the last few yeah. years. We will be coming home 
from Mexico, I would think that that will be pretty more people quiet. will be heading out. Yeah, yeah I would more people will be going the other way. Had to work, say through Wednesday, and they just wanted to catch the first flight out Thursday morning to be with family for the long weekend. You might see still some crowds like early Thursday morning, people trying to get home. But I, I feel like it's it hopefully will be a good day to travel. But we we will land at LAX and have to drive home, and the the roads could be people could definitely be on the roads getting to their dinners still. Yeah. Okay. The other observation I'm going to make is that you and I have worked together now for a long time. And I don't think I ever remember you doing any significant travel around the Thanksgiving holiday. Never. And never. Um, and it just occurs to me that we both do a fair amount of like, we both do a fair amount of travel, both with our families by air and by, um, and by boat, not, by not by boat. Sorry. By sea. <laughs> By air and by car, not by sea, but I accidentally said by boat, which is not, it's not true. I've taken my kids on a ferry a few times, but we don't, we aren't like churning the oceans or anything like that. But, um, we're not like super jet setty families. No. And so it's just unusual. This is unusual for you to be doing this. It is. And, um, yeah, we've talked in our, in our travel episodes, I've shared that most of our travel tends to be to go see different family who lives far away. And through that, we've had some great trips, but we really have not vacationed as a family of five very much. And um, the kids have the entire week off of school and Brian has the entire week off of work. And so, you know, we we're heading into this like last four years of high school where it's starting to be like the number of each holiday seasons where all three kids for sure will live at home is limited. And that's bonkers. So I think that's kind of what prompted it. My parents are also traveling overseas. Um, they're doing their own like retirement adventuring right now. They're gone a lot. So they were going to be out of town. That's who we would have spent it with anyway. So yeah, off we go. I will report back in our next time we record. Well, I will not be spending Thanksgiving day with my kids this year, which I'm 100% okay with. Um, I, I think you and I have talked before about the fact that I, I like Thanksgiving. I like the food, like all that, but I don't really feel a big pressure to celebrate actual Thanksgiving on the actual day of Thanksgiving um, or to celebrate it in any specific way. I feel like it's always been a very flexible holiday for me. Even since I was a kid, I feel like we always did a little bit differently every year. So I'm not very attached. So I'm totally okay with the fact that they'll be with their dad that day. And I think Eric and I are just going to hang out. Probably I'll have to do some stuff with the not in-laws, like whatever your special man friends parents yeah. are they're not like your in-laws with their people in-laws yeah, no, there's, yeah. No, yeah. there's no word they're for that people that you go make small talk with and yeah. they're very nice people and that'll be great I guess um and then this weekend um I'll be with the kids and we have a few different possibilities on the on the docket one being to go travel to my sister's house which was house which is something we've done um as a tradition for many Thanksgivings, just not always on the same day. Sometimes it's like Thanksgiving. Sometimes it's the Friday. Sometimes it's the Saturday. So that's all still getting worked out, but it'll be fun. And just a quick, you know, it's for us, it's a quick little break. The kids just get a couple of days off. So it's not like a big, long yeah. holiday to feel Phil, but I'm really ready to have a break. Yeah. So yeah. Looking forward. Well, um, we have a fun episode planned today, and this is perfect because the Thanksgiving uh, holiday often does bring people in proximity to one another who need to, for better or worse, get along, if only for a day or an afternoon. 
Um, and so what we did for you all today is we went back into our listener questions episodes, um, which I think we've done 40 times or something over the almost eight years of this show where we answer listener questions. And we pulled together some of the best ones that have to do with mostly kids, although there are some adults who will appear in this in this compilation, but mostly helping kids of all ages and relationships get along with each other. So we've got a really great lineup of topics from siblings learning to first play together as like toddlers and preschoolers to a cousin trio who has trouble getting along. And Megan, I know you, you obviously have direct experience (laughs) with that, which is why it made for such a good listener question. Um, plus friendship issues coming up at school, some neighborhood issues. So this is sort of a, like, can't we all just get along if only for a little while um, with just can't you just yeah. guys just make us happen, please yeah. just make this happen for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just noticed as I was going back through these listener questions and our answers from the way back, because some of these are from 2016 and 2017, um, that like the things that come up over and over again are so universal. It's like we have these sibling pairs that don't match up. They're like oil and water. Um, or we have cousins who like have power dynamics between them. We've got friendship drama going on at school. It's, it's the, it's tales as old as time. So it was fun to revisit some of these. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. 
Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so our first listener question that we're bringing from the Wayback Machine is about early elementary school friendships. Now, I haven't been in that place for a long time, but Sarah, you're not that far away from those early elementary um, school situations with Violet. So what are things like with those kid friend dynamics now? Well, um, it's been so different with all three of my kids. And I, I really think my first two kids were just more selective about their friends and they kind of had one friend at a time or one or two friends. And I could have told you from the very beginning from Violet that she would be the one to have like, I don't, I don't always want to put like the drama label on it. Cause I think sometimes as adults, we're too quick to do that. They're just kids learning how to be with each other and it can look like drama to us, but it's real. It's, yeah. it's real like stuff that's going on for them. But I, I could have told yeah. you that Violet would be the one to be more socially involved. And then what's interesting is she was in first grade when COVID first happened. So she spent the rest of first and second in really locked down like cohorts or and or at home. So I have seen third and fourth grade friendship groups shift and change. We haven't had too many like tears or like the real heartbreak that can come with it. But I know that that stuff is normal and that it's happening. And with Violet, there's a lot of shifting. I think what it looks like is a lot of shifting. Like, who'd you eat lunch with? Okay, this person, this person. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's the little group. And then like a week later, like that one of those people is like totally not in the picture anymore and someone else is in. And there's a lot of moving and shaking in fourth grade right now. It seems, I just had her parent-teacher conference. It seems fairly benign and normal and healthy at this point. But it's, I think as moms, we can't help but wonder and worry a little bit about all those playground dynamics. So yeah, this um, question from Ashley that we'll listen to and our answers um, really have to do with when that's very first beginning, like kinder and first grade, when your kid comes home and says like, so-and-so didn't let me play with them or I don't like so-and-so. And And I think there's this like, oh no, here it comes like this kind of bracing (laughs) ourselves, but it's like, like everything else it's, there are ups and there are downs and there are good years and there are bad years. So it's hard as a mom. So anyway, we're going to hear from Ashley and hear our answer from 2016 from the way back. Um, and right after that, you'll hear from Tessa, who is a longtime listener of ours, who sent us a question in 2016 about a trio of girl cousins. So then we'll listen to our answer to Tessa after that. This is from so. our listener, Ashley, whose son is in kindergarten. And she says, I've noticed a big change in friendships and peer relationships compared to the preschool years. The days when kids would automatically play with each other just because, hey, it's another kid, are gone. I'm completely bummed out by some of the mean girl behaviors I'm seeing, even from six-year-olds. So she asks, how do you teach your kids to build good relationships with their peers, especially when your child has a personality trait that can be either really positive or be the cause of conflict, like being bossy or being sensitive, you know, more extreme. When should you step back from giving advice and let them learn versus getting involved? And then how do we deal with our own feelings about this as moms? Because that's one of the hardest parts, right? That's a big win. Well, yeah. So again, I don't want to generalize about boy relationships and girl relationships. I will say this is not something I did not notice this kind of thing really at all until Clara. Mm -hmm. Um, The boys chose their friends really carefully they didn't hang out with kids that made them feel bad about themselves for the most part. I don't know. And, and have had my boys have had the same like set of friends. Each has had like the same little set of friends 
basically since they were like in kindergarten or first grade for the younger ones. And then for the older ones, we just moved here when um, they were in third and fifth, but they've had the same friends since. I think they just, maybe because they have all those brothers to hang out with, they didn't feel the need to have a lot of external relationships. So they were super selective. With Clara, I will say she's had more get togethers where um, there's, they've ended in tears and I don't even really know what happened. She's got friends at school she comes home constantly and is telling me kids are mean. And like, so I feel like I'm a little bit in a new Mm -hmm. ground too. Um, In general, I will say that three is not company Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it comes to kids this age. I don't think a get together with three girls. I cannot remember a time it's really worked out. I remember that from my Someone is always getting crapped on. Yeah. Um, Even with Clara's cousins, she's got two cousins who she's very close to. One's older and one's littler. Well, who do you think gets crapped on? The little one. And Clara engages in it because right. she's younger. So she right. always got crapped on. Right. Right. And now she's got this young person to crap on. Um, Clara's had two friends over before where one of them ends up excluded. And I don't, you, it can be very subtle mm-hmm. and stuff can get whispered. I mean, you don't even always really see it happening. And sometimes it's perception. Mm-hmm. Sometimes one of the girls just thinks she's being excluded. Mm-hmm. So I've just kind of eliminated for the most part, except for with cousins where I'm not going to say, no, right. I'm not having both girl cousins over. They, they have to figure it out. Yeah. And, and that's more like a sibling group right. almost right. where they need to figure that out and, and figure out the yeah. dynamics. <clears throat> but um, for me, I don't really want playdates to yeah. devolve into tear fest. So I've really made it about either two or a, a bigger group. A bigger group. That's good. A bigger group. I like that. Um, you know, if there's somebody who I've kind of seen becoming an alpha mm-hmm. in those situations, like, in Clara's, you know, Clara's older cousin is totally an alpha girl Mm -hmm. and other girls listen to her and respect her. Plus she's a little older. Mm -hmm. So I probably wouldn't have her over with like several of Clara's um, peers from her grade. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it would necessarily end well. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's nothing about Ruby being not a nice kid. It's more like the dynamic you're setting up. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I will say when there's been another girl about Ruby's age, and then another kid Clara's age, it works out really well. It's mm-hmm. more balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it is just like balancing the groups. Right. Um, I really try to pay attention and listen to Clara when mm-hmm. she tells me about mm-hmm. girls at school mm-hmm. that she tries to be very diplomatic. She's always afraid of, of hurting people's feelings. Aww. And she just kept telling me about this girl in school and, and she kept coming up and not in a positive way. And then at the same time, the girl's mom was calling me constantly trying to get them together. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, one day Clara hard. said, I just don't enjoy her. <laughs> And at that point, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. And she was sitting next to this girl and didn't really enjoy her mm-hmm. as a seatmate either. And there was – so I just really had to kind of pick, like, really read between the lines of what she was trying to tell me mm-hmm. for a while. And then she finally just came out and said it. I don't enjoy her, which could mean a lot of things, right? right? But I, I, that was her way of saying, please don't call back – don't call this yeah. mom back yeah. and, and tell her, you know, yeah. we're going to get together. Yeah. So – I don't know if this is answering this question. No, I think, yeah, no, you're, I'm so impressed <laughs> like I'm with rambling. how you are on the fly. <laughs> so a couple of things that have come to my mind. Um, one is I, I really try to start with my kids' emotional situation and to start um, helping with that first, especially when we're talking about what's happening at school, because I can't control what happens on the playground, right. um, but I can help my eight-year-old understand what she's feeling. So we talk, I mean, I'm like you, I just kind of let, let her talk and ask a lot of questions and, um, kind of give her tools to understand what these feelings are. Am I feeling left out? Am I feeling smothered? Um, we've had a situation where, 
um, that wasn't a mean girl. It was a clingy friend and kind of an yes. insecure clingy friend who was wanting being possessive. Um, and sometimes our kids don't even have the language to know, like Clara saying, I just don't enjoy her. They don't have the, they're, yeah. they don't have the like emotional intelligence yet. So listening and asking questions and starting with like, if there's a problem to solve, there's air quotes. If we have a problem to solve, I guess I'm going to start with my kids' feelings and helping her understand what those feelings are and what steps to take to get out of that yucky feeling rather than let's go work out this fight with a friend. Does that make yes. sense? Because I feel yeah. like that will follow. The the conflict resolution skills and the social skills will follow if she understands how to kind of identify and process her own emotions. So starting small and starting kind of internally. Does that make sense? It's a yeah, little totally. out there. Yeah. Um, and then also the teacher can be your advocate if we're talking yes. about what's happening in school. And you, you don't have to get a teacher involved as like a mediator. You can just say, hey, can you just, you know, put on your little spy eyes and just keep a lookout? Because teachers are doing that anyway. They really care. Um, it's probably a, not a good idea to go in and start right with this kid did this to my kid. Yeah. The teachers... They don't really have time for that. If it needs to come to that, I'm sure they'll help. But rather than that, just say, hey, here's what we're observing at home. Would you mind keeping your eyes and ears open at school? And just yeah. opening that line of communication, I think, can be really um, helpful. Remember yeah. that you are hearing half the story. Uh-huh. Um, and remember that they are filtering and processing in a not adult way. So just because the words coming out of their mouth might include things that sound like you know, red flags, bullies, right. if the child's demeanor, in other words, watch their, watch, yeah. watch their cues and not just, you're not hearing the whole story, I guess. Clara is the same thing. I mean, she's very concerned about being good and doing things right and mm-hmm. following the rules in school, which I think is common for right. them. And so she would be coming home and every day it was like, I would get a report on all the kids who, <laughs> yes. who got disobeyed the rules, yes. got in trouble, who's on the learning line, yes. is like, they're like punishment. And it's, hilarious like now I think it's very funny yeah. she'll come home and just like she just rattles it all off yeah. I'm like oh she'd kind of know about all the playground dramas and it would and report everything to me and I think she was just figuring it out you know she was just like how do I fit in all right. of this and it wasn't there was hardly really ever any emotion behind right. it right. um I will say with as as far as talking to the teacher I did ask Clara to be moved from sitting next to this one girl and I know nothing about this girl she could be lovely right the two of them were not good for each other yeah. <laughs> it was not a good fit because Clara was stressed out all the time thinking she was going to get in trouble because this girl wouldn't stop talking to her, which that's her interpretation. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, right. could be right. totally, it could be much more uh, mutual. I right. don't know. But the fact that it was coming up again and again and again, and there was that much stress. And then obviously here's this girl who really wants to be Clara's friend. And she's sitting next to someone who does not enjoy her. I mean, I just, it didn't seem like a good situation for either kid. Right. So we, uh, and it was no big deal right. to have them moved. And it solved a lot of her anxious social issues yeah. um, immediately, yeah. which was nice. Yeah. I think another thing we need to do too in these situations is kind of remove ourselves from emotionally, uh, I don't know. I think we need to, yeah, too much because people in life gravitate towards specific other people. Mm -hmm. We all do it. You do it. I do it. Everybody listening right now has people they enjoy and people they do not enjoy Mm -hmm. as much. And as adults, we have a lot of power Mm -hmm. and control over who we choose to spend time with. And what situations we put ourselves in and our kids don't. Mm -hmm. And so if, if our kids don't like someone or if someone doesn't like our kid, it doesn't really, it's not any kind of reflection on our kids or on us as parents. It's kind of just, it's not a good fit. And as they get older and develop more emotional maturity, they might find ways to get along with kids. They don't right now, because right now all those behaviors are so on the surface. Right. 
Right. You know, it's like you learn with time to kind of present yourself a little differently and interact with people a little bit differently. But preschool, kindergarten, first, second grade, it's like they're just like bundles of nerves. Yeah. You know? Like they're raw material just running around. And conflicts are going to be more out like conflicts yes. will be more extreme yes and dislikes and likes will also be more more yes. passionate yes so you know and that is just take a step back that's the, a big step agreed and that is again I think why at least what I was trying to articulate is why helping them deal with whatever emotional stuff they're coming home with I feel like is a, a more long-term applicable skill than just how to deal with this particular friend or click or group issue because if they are going to encounter disappointment they're going to encounter jealousy and you know all of that stuff and the earlier they can kind of have the tools to deal with those feelings and those kind of experiences internally the better equipped they'll be for all like you're saying all kinds of social situations yep agreed So I'm going to summarize a little bit as I read through this, but Tessa's sister and she are very close. Tessa has four kids, nine, seven, four, and a baby. And her sister has two kids, ages eight and two. And when they get all together, the three oldest cousins, so her two oldest girls and then the eight-year-old cousin, um, have basically the threes a crowd dynamic, which is the younger, the youngest gets left out, the oldest. So Tessa's girls are the oldest and the youngest of the trifecta. And the oldest gets type A and wants to play with the cousin. The youngest gets left out. And her question is, they're not going to stop seeing her sister, but it has made getting together with cousins, you know, pretty stressful. And she was very sensitive in her email to not wanting to force the oldest to include, but trying to take her aside ahead of time. I mean, I really relate to this. I think this is how I approach it too. Taking them aside, kind of gently encouraging and reminding but she said when she forces the older to include it usually backfires oh and, yeah because then they just know, get mean right <laughs> and the sneaky. younger is the younger yeah. is very sensitive and she's very she's she's hurting for her seven-year-old who she right. sees being excluded and who is extra sensitive anyway so gosh this is not an easy one and I know you have no. some direct yeah, this is essentially exactly life. my life, life. Yeah. <laughs> except in reverse so I'm the one with the middle the girl oh, in the middle okay. Um, Clara and then uh, my sister, my brother and his wife have two daughters who fall on either side. So Luna's younger than Clara and Ruby is older. They're even almost the same ages as these, yeah. these three girls, which is so interesting. Yeah, they're nine uh, going on eight and then going on six. So it's tough. You know, I feel bad because when I the three girls get together, I can often see Clara being mean and excluding her younger cousin, who, by the way, adores her, like Mm -hmm. worships the ground she walks on, which makes me feel even worse. Mm -hmm. Um, We've kind of worked on a a few different ways. First of all, everyone's very aware of the situation. I'm not sure if that's how it is. Um, It sounds like she and her sister are pretty close. So hopefully they're able to talk about it. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if they're on the same page or not about how to take, you know, some people are more hands off and some people are, are not. But I've, I definitely have found that, like you said, you know, taking them aside and talking to them, but I sometimes have to do that several times during a visit. Um, just if it's once it, it doesn't stick. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll notice things happening and I'll call Clara over really quietly and just say, you know, I noticed that, um, Luna seems really upset right now. And then she'll kind of be like, oh, mom, and give me that kind of thing. And I'll say, well, let's think of a way we can include her. And sometimes it's, you got to do, because she'll automatically default to, you know, she's being really annoying and she'll say really funny things. She's like, I love how Luna loves me so much. 
But sometimes she loves me a little too much, if you know what I mean. So she's got these really funny ways of saying, like, yeah. she's annoyed. Yeah. Um, and I'll just say, okay, well, let's think of a, a way that could work for everybody to include Luna. And when Luna was really little, it could be the kind of, like, just pacifying her stuff, like, just mm-hmm. humoring her. And she's gotten wise to that. Like, she's yeah. not going to be the kid playing with the junk toys no one wants. Right. While the other kids are playing a game. She's gotten right. too wise. And that yep. was a big kind of a um, an adjustment, too, when she made that leap. Um, I will say from watching the boys having gone through stuff like this. So, you know, in the boys, I've got um, Jack. So same family. Mm -hmm. They have one boy. It's Jack. And he's in the middle. And then William and Owen are on either Mm -hmm. side of Jack. Um, Definitely have seen them move in and out of age groups where it it was less pronounced. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's going to happen with the the girls or not. So, like, I remember the boys playing really, really, really well together. And then they kind of went through a little phase where they didn't. But I will say with the boys, when they didn't play as well together, they just kind of stopped all playing together. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like with the girls now where Clara and Ruby aren't really willing to give up what they've got. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's even all that helpful, but just I think sometimes you need to be proactive throughout the visit or just yeah. kind of be aware. And the other thing I will say is we try to create plenty of time for Clara to play individually with Ruby and to play individually with Luna. Because the more mm-hmm. she plays one-on-one, yep. the more, you know, when Ruby's out of the equation, Clara and Luna get along great yep. and they find things to play. Um, so we try to make – and sometimes I'll even say to Clara, like, before we go – over to their house, you know, she'll say, well, are both girls going to be there? And I say, yeah. So I want you to play really well with both of the girls now. And then I've got something special planned for you and Ruby later. Mm-hmm. And so we just try to always kind of have that be like a carrot, I guess, or just yep. something she knows yeah. is going to happen so that she yep. doesn't have to stress about it. I, I love that because what, what in the long term, what we really want for all of our kids is to know how to navigate these situations. So it's never that you always have to include or you always get to exclude. It's that depending on the situation, there's an appropriate response. So right. it, it, it's not, it's, there's nothing black and white about this. Um, just a couple of things to add. I think um, asking t- with your own kids ahead of time, kind of asking them how they'd like to see it handled or what their plan is, put some of, some of the control back on them, especially olders um, who like control. And I know Tessa's oldest, she said, likes to control the situation. So to use that to your advantage, I might say, okay, we know that Violet's going to want in on this play date. We know she's not old enough and you don't probably want to include her. What's your plan for when she comes knocking at the door? How can right. I help you? I, and I always say, I will support you in your decision, but you need to be kind. So then, then I'm kind of, and, and she might say, well, I, you know, she can play with the baby dolls in my room, but I don't want her getting into the art supplies. And I can say, okay, I'll support that. And I, as soon as she, as soon as she crosses that line, I'll support you. And that way I'm not putting my eight-year-old in a position where she kind of panics and then yells. Um, and you know, and then we're, then we're starting way behind. So I guess asking the child, and you, I think you can do that with a younger too, you know, what's your plan for when you feel left out? Do you want to come get mommy and I'll help you? Or should we have an activity plan so this doesn't happen? Or, you know, what's your plan? We say that a lot. What's your plan for, or what are we going to do when this happens? Especially in these scenarios, we're talking about things that happen over and over and over again. So everybody, everybody knows the dynamic. Um, so I, I guess I don't have much to add because you, you know, you, you touched on it all, but that, um, I think it's really good for our kids to have these relationships and experiences. And it sounds like Tessa's committed to being, you know, they're committed to being a big group of cousins and everybody's committed to making it work. So hopefully just the transparency and the willingness of her and her sister to 
help the kids make it work. I think nobody should assume this stuff will be easy. It's just not, right. whether it's siblings it's or cousins or yeah. friend groups. And, you know, sometimes we hear we're supposed to let the kids work it out, but it's never quite that simple. I think, I mean, you and I have talked about this on the podcast before, Megan, that, you know, we want, we want our kids to learn to work things out, but you can hear as a mom, you can hear when it's in the other room, it gets to a point where they're not learning anything. If anything, they're reinforcing some, you know, some potentially damaging relationship patterns. And then if you, and then if you times that by years and years, we haven't served our kids by quote unquote, letting them work it out. You can still let them work it out with some loving guys. Well, yeah, there can definitely become a Lord of the flies type scenario. (laughs) Also, you know, it's one thing if it's like something that's like a once in a a while thing, you know, you've got like three groups of, you know, three girls, you get together on a play date at your house and then you realize, oop, this wasn't really a great fit, but I'm going to kind of let them work it out until things get bloody. Right. (laughs) And then I won't be getting these three girls together again. Right. Yeah. Because I've done that. You know, this didn't work. Um, These are, this is family. They're going to be together their whole lives. So what's Mm -hmm. being shaped right now uh, could continue, you know? So it's more, first of all, you want to be able to enjoy your sister's company. And Mm -hmm. also you want the girls to be able to grow up together and have a great relationship later. So I do think you're right, Sarah. There's more coaching needed than we sometimes think, especially, and I think it's even tougher sometimes when it's, like family that doesn't live in your own house because it's not your rules and you're not there all the time to shape things. And, you know, they, maybe the, 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 um, scenarios when they get together, they seem kind of fraught because the kids are just like, you know, it's like the special thing. It's not like siblings who are just always around each other and they, you know, you have plenty of opportunities and lots of different times during the day. So yeah, I agree. That's, That's my long winded way of saying yes. Hang in there, Tessa. Yeah. Hang in there. Okay, so this is Megan 2022. <laughs> just want to make that clear. Um, just weighing in to say, I think at the time that I answered that question, I knew that things would change eventually. Yeah. And it can feel sometimes like two steps forward, one step back, or sometimes like one step forward, 15 steps back. But I will say that now six years, you know, fully six years later, the dynamics have changed so much. Mostly because what happens, and this is something I've witnessed with um, my boys and their sibling relationships and their cousin relationships, somebody ages out of the group. Mm-hmm. And it's typically sort of dramatic the way it happens. If like with um, Clara, Ruby and Luna, there is a year to year and a half spread between kids. It can be quite dramatic. It was. And I think with Clara and Luna, it's more like two years. So it was for the the longest time, Clara wanted to be Ruby's bestie and was like doting on her. And then Ruby just got a little too cool for Clara, to be honest. Like she's like a full grown lady now, you know, she's like in high school. She's a cool kid. And so the three of them can still hang out. But Clara is so happy to hang out with Luna now. So there's we've really lost that. She's like she's like the float. You remember when you do you work retail? No, Um, I never did. And there's like there's someone called a floater or a float. Who can kind of like swing go between. Or, yeah, yeah. 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 Like a swing. She can work either in women's fashion <laughs> or she can work the jewelry counter <laughs> or she can like maybe fill in watch repair. You know, you never know. Um, She can do all of it. And that's what Clara has really very seamlessly become. She can swing. She can hang with Ruby and her friends if she's invited and the environment calls for it. I don't think she ever assumes that'll happen. Right. But it's like possible. Or she can very happily hang out with Luna. And I feel like now that Clara and Luna are in the same school and Ruby's in high school, so Clara and Luna are both in middle school now, 
it's just shifted and it took a while. Like there were for like a good solid year, I'd say, I think Clara actually prefers to hang out with Luna, but won't admit it Mm -hmm. because the two of them were doing like little kid stuff together or like younger kid stuff. And now they're both fully middle schoolers. So it's not playing exactly. It's hanging, but they're great. Like a lot of those dynamics have just worked themselves out. And I, I always hoped they would. And it's nice to know that they did. I love it. I love that we got the the update from you and hopefully we'll get an update from Tessa too. So that's awesome. Okay. So we are now going again in our time machine. We're going back to 2017 when Rachel sent in a question about her four-year-old and 14-month-old who are just beginning to play together, but not going so well. And kind of wondering about helping uh, young sibling pairs learn to not just get along, but maybe even enjoy playing together. So we'll take Rachel's question now, and then you'll hear our answer. Hey, Megan and Sarah, this is Rachel, and I have two little girls ages four and 14 months. And my question involves fostering a healthy sibling relationship. And uh, my main problem is that my oldest daughter, she loves her little sister and wants to play with her, but she gets frustrated when her little sister doesn't understand rules of games or how to share toys. So she ends up seeing her little sister as more of an annoyance than um, than as a buddy. And um, of course, she ends up yelling at her or getting, you know, in other ways, uh, you know, snatching toys out of the little one's hands, which makes the little one cry. And so and everybody ends up upset. And so what I, ends up happening is that I separate them and I don't want to have to always do that. Um, and I feel like with the three year age gap, I'm grasping at straws, trying to think of things they can do together, but they can only play peekaboo or take turns on a playing xylophone for so long. So um, I'm just wondering if this is just something that will naturally get easier as they get older, or is it something, um, is there something I can do to make it better? Uh, thank you guys. And um, keep up the good work with the podcast. Okay. So Rachel, first of all, 14 month old, 15 month olds are the worst. One year olds are the worst. <laughs> Megan and I have established that. And I also want to tell you, it's about to get way better. I know we say that, but specifically, no, really I remember, will. I remember 18 months being a threshold for when the younger yep. could play with the older. Um, but I have a few more, I do have a few more thoughts. This is really common and it's not going to be forever. They're not going to no. hate each other forever. Well, and four and 14 months are really hard because 14 months is a baby. Yeah. And four is that really independent age where kids are getting their crap together, yep. you know, older kids, and they have real opinions about stuff. And they want things the to go their way. Their like they, way. they yeah. know the rules. Like she said, she yep. like the four-year-old doesn't understand why the one-year-old won't play by the rules. Like four-year-olds, right. you know, get real into fairness and the rules yep. and all of that. Um, well, I have a couple of just practical tips that came into my head. And um, one is that sometimes four-year-olds like to help teach or help. Um, like mm. if you give the four-year-old a job that instead of expecting them to play together, because they can't, because they're not on equal playing fields, um, giving the four-year-old some kind of job that allows her to teach her sister something or, um, be part of like, almost like a mommy's helper and not, maybe she won't be into that, but that's just one idea. I do feel like that's different than having them be expecting them to play together. Um, 
Um, the other thing is make sure that older one is getting some time either with peers yeah. or with mom or dad where she's not feeling frustrated that she's never getting or to alone. play or alone. Yeah. 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 Um, so that there's some special time. We've talked about that in previous episodes, some little yeah. one-on-one time or play dates. You know, it's a great age if she's social. My four-year-olds weren't always super social, but my youngest is. And if she's social, then even play dates with peers or friends or cousins or whoever so that she, she doesn't have all that pent up frustration of never getting to play with someone her age or a little bit yeah. older who can play by the rules. So those were a I couple. Would, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that second one. And, and I think it's important to not <clears throat> get so caught up in the idea that your kids are going to be buddies that you kind of like almost create a backfiring situation. Right. <laughs> um, I would focus on qual- quality over quantity of time mm-hmm. that they spend together. And I think the quality of time will be better if you're older feels like she can get that. Like you were saying, Sarah, right. that time by herself or with peers or with you guys. Yeah. Um, I just feel like then she might see, then she might feel a little more generous right. and I don't know, willing to be really kind to her sister where right. if she feels like it's forced on her. Um, she might not. And that's, that's legitimate. That's fair because 14 month old babies can be annoying. Yeah. And so will a two year old be and a three year old. That's not yep. going to go away, you know? Yep. And we, yeah, we've talked a lot on the show about the personalities. Like it, that's why I think the space in between your kids is only one factor because you can have siblings spaced, you know, whatever space apart. Part and their personalities either do or they don't match up, match, match yeah. up, and then that changes over time. Um, I think I think it's helpful too. A four-year-old can really start to understand what what she can expect from, say, a one and a half and two-year-old as the baby does right. get older. And you, as the mom, can help modify games and rules. You know, like it's not we can't expect her to do X, Y, Z. What if we change the rules to you know? And little by little, yeah. you're just giving them skills and tools because actually, that's that, those are great skills to have their whole life. It's never a perfect match of social and yep. developmental abilities. So being able to figure out, that's why I love, I love big families. I love mixed age cousin groups because when you watch all that, maybe not at four and 14 months, but when you watch groups of kids, don't you think Megan, they just figure out, they figure they f- it out. Yeah. They figure out how to accommodate everybody. And a lot of times they do it on their own, but it takes sort of being there and sort of coaching yeah. them. I think they need to be coached because they don't always understand what the younger is um, capable of. Exactly. Um, um, another thing I will say, and I've made, you know, I learned this the hard way with various kids of my own and nieces and nephew groupings and pairings. Um, it's very easy to put the onus of getting along on the older mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. till you and then create a monster out of the younger mm-hmm. <laughs> only by not having any expectations of them. So right. like a 14 month old, you can't expect a whole lot of, you know, they are what they are. They're basically like a walking bundle of nerves yeah. um, and, and like reactions. But as that 14 month old gets older, if they know every time they run to you, you're going to side with them or if they can instigate and fly under the radar, yep. if they, they're just going to figure you out. And I think it's really wise to pay pretty close attention to how you're reacting and what dynamics are being created because yeah. you don't want the, the younger to be the one who gets away with everything um, ends up kind of spoiled, ends up whining a lot because they know if they whine, they get their way tattling a lot. I mean that, and that can happen and you don't even like, you're just tired and you're just trying to get yeah. through the day. So you're giving in to stuff and you're yeah. kind of giving the, the younger, giving them a want, free pass, Yeah, giving them a free pass. And then next thing you know, 
they just expect that they're going to always get their way. And I just, it's, you know, I'm a baby myself, a baby <laughs> of the family. I'm sure I did that myself, but I've watched that happen in the pairings in my family as well. Um, yeah. But the younger sometimes could be a real stinker and kind of get away with it. And then yeah. the older kid just had to suck it up. And that's right. not necessarily, it's not fair. Great. And it's not fair. And it's not going to create what you want. In the end. Right. I think that's such a good point. And, and I know having, so my, my middle and youngest have very opposite personalities. I've talked about it on the show when Violet was like 18, months. Well, pretty much her whole life, but especially in that one to two year old range. I mean, she wasn't just a busy, active toddler who couldn't follow the rules. She, we would call her the home wrecker. Like she would just wreck stuff <laughs> on purpose and on purpose because of that stinker streak. Um, and Reed being his personality would flip out. And this was a dynamic in our house for a long time. Um, and I, I agree. I think those olders need to feel secure. So whether you're helping them by maybe it's moving certain toys into their room and maybe, maybe they do have to have maybe a little time by themselves, but at least their personal property is not at risk. Like for a while for us, it really was helping the older kids feel like they, you know, they were important enough that their stuff did not have to get torn up, ripped right. and stepped on by sort of a holy terror. So I right. feel you. That was hard and it's better now. It really is. So. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that better. is helpful because I know um, it's also just kind of like a suck it up and get through it as well as you can thing until they're old enough to appreciate each other, which sometimes takes a while. It, it does take a while. And I think when we when that's all we know, then we tend to project and be like, OK, well, this is how it's going to be forever. And I heard a little bit of that in yeah. Rachel's voice, like, oh, no, did I pick a three year age gap? And now are they right, ever going to be on yeah. the same? And the truth is they will and they won't. And it'll ebb and flow. But for sure, it will get better than four and 14 months that I feel really confident guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> me too. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. 
Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high quality and traceable key nutrients in clean bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, Megan, this is so fun to not only hear from our listeners from way back, but also hear ourselves give advice. I found myself being like, what did I think I knew six years ago? Like, I know so much more now, but you know what you know. And I think that's hopefully what moms get from this podcast is we're not pretending to know everything, but we will give you whatever we've figured out heretofore up until this point. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Can I just quickly weigh in and say that six years ago, I thought I knew what was up. Right. And now that I've talked to all of my boys, especially um, Clara does not report the same thing, but the boys do. There was a lot more pummeling happening. Oh, oh, specifically with like fighting, you mean? Oh, physical big brother on smaller brother pummeling that I was like really unaware of. And it's (laughs) almost weird to me that I was so unaware of it. And the boys like don't really hold it against me. They're like, well, of course you didn't know because the older kids were wily about it. Like they would just pummel us. But they're all still friends. It's just one of those weird things where it's like, what should I have done? I don't condone physical violence. Right. But it's also sort of a stereotype, especially of boy siblings and often of girl siblings, that there's a fair amount of pummeling happening, either stealthily and in like ways that parents can't really see or, you know, maybe a little less stealthily. So I just want to point that out. Six years ago, I was not aware, apparently, Either that or the kids are now exaggerating it. And it could be either. Like, or who a little knows? bit of both. A little bit of both. Or a little bit of both. A little bit of both. So just throwing that out there because I certainly don't want it to make it seem like six years ago me had all the answers. Right. She did not. Oh, no. Neither and, did six uh, years ago me, obviously. Yeah. And nowadays me also doesn't. I'm just figuring things out as I go. Just the exactly same as everybody right. else. That's exactly <laughs> yes. right. Well, here's a favor of the listening audience. If I'm so curious if anyone listening to this Here's yourself and your six year or five year, because we have not all the questions are from 2016. Um, so we mentioned Tessa in the first half and we know Tessa is still very much a part of this community. She's one of our Instagram subscribers. We chat with her fairly often. She's got four kids who are like teenagers and stuff now. But if anyone else that we're airing your questions today wants to give us a update on how these things are going. Um, When we did this last month, we did it with sleep questions and some of them were several years old. And we did have Brady in our Facebook group, like write in and be like, Hey, that was me. And like, here's how the night waking progressed. And here's when it got better. So I don't know. I think I have a fantasy of like a, where are they now? feels like a nineties talk show, like, you know, segment, where are they now? So please besides Tessa, Tessa, you're basically required to let us know. Cause I know you will. And you're (laughs) We, we talk to you more often, but Ashley and Rachel will follow you. If you don't we'll find you, you. We'll, we'll I want to find you. I want to know about the girl cousins, but Ashley and Rachel from the first half. And we're about to hear from listener Sarah and then an anonymous. And you can even stay, say anonymous, stay anonymous. We'll keep you anonymous, but would love updates on these next couple. We're about to share as well. So, um, we're hello at the You know how to find us everybody. And we would love those updates. 
So next up, we have a question from listener Sarah. This came in in 2020, which is relatively recent um, and was thick in pandemic COVID shutdown times. So the sibling bickering in her house was driving her crazy. And um, she sent in a question and we did our best to help answer it more about or as much about mom managing the stress and frustration of having bickering siblings as as much as arbitrating the actual sibling bickering itself, a little of both in our answer. And then you will hear um, us share an anonymous question that came in in 2018, um, a really kind of sticky, tricky situation about neighbor friends. And, you know, Megan, the neighborhoods where the kids are all playing out front all the time. So there's this weird gray area of like, is this a play date where like the parents are actually looking after the kids in their front yard or is it just a free for all? And um, this anonymous listener had a tricky situation with not wanting a relationship to progress to play date level because be- being pretty uncomfortable with the other parents, but yet kids I are remember still, this yeah, one kids are still well. yeah. running around in the front yard. And basically like, how do you distance yourself from one of those relationships? So we will hear first from Sarah and then from anonymous. Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Sarah and I'm a longtime listener of the show. I have two daughters. They're in kindergarten and third grade. And my question for you today is about sibling arguments. Lately, their arguing has turned into something that I just don't think is good. Sometimes they're arguing, you know, it's normal. And sometimes she's sitting too close to me. She might want to use my toy is just all I hear. I find that day in and day out, I'm saying stop fighting, stop fighting so often. And I think that we're in need of some fresh ideas. Now, I will say we are homeschooling this year, so this is probably making it a little harder for them. But do you have any tips or tricks, things that you've used when your kids just won't stop fighting? I want them to have healthy conflict resolution together, but I also want to encourage general kindness towards each other instead of automatically getting frustrated over the tiniest of things. Okay. So, Sarah, you are not alone. I know there are many, many moms nodding their heads right now with just the annoyance of listening to bickering. And if you it sounds like they're homeschooling and many people are virtual schooling and this episode is coming out, even if even if you your kids have been in childcare or school, we're going into kind of Christmas break time soon. So listening to the fighting is hard. So validating that you are not alone. Um. I know we've said this in previous episodes, but I just want to say again, I believe that some sibling personalities really will almost be oil and water or in conflict their entire growing up and others move in and out of phases. And I've seen both of this. I've actually seen ones that I thought were oil and water forever go through good phases. Either way, it's not your fault. Like it's not something you are doing or not doing. I think we're going to talk about some tips and boundaries for yourself so that you can enjoy your life as a mom. But I don't I would I would encourage you to not think of this as something that you can or should fix, um, because sometimes personalities just kind of rub up against each other and might forever um, or they might not forever. Either way, I don't think it's your fault and I don't think it bears on an adult relationship. So I'm very close with my siblings and with one of my siblings, I don't ever remember getting along until until later high school. But that's practically adulthood like. So I guess just to just to know that. um, So maybe it's more about like your own tips and tools and tricks and all of that. Um, The first tip that I thought of 
is to make sure that each of those kids is getting some one-on-one time with the adults in the house at some point. I know that's really hard during COVID, but just remember that a kindergartner and a third grader have very different needs and abilities and interests. And so I think sometimes when kids haven't, when they've had to sort of set aside or compromise their their natural inclinations, which for the third grader might be more ready for more advanced and more interesting stuff. And the kindergartner is still so little. And when they have to meet in the middle always, and they don't get to just feel like they get all the adult attention for a little bit. Um, I think that can make fighting worse. It's not a silver bullet. It's not going to fix it. But if you just have as a priority, just to make sure whether it's alternating bedtimes and giving one of them like an extended reading time, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to put strain on your life as a mom, but think about that one-on-one connection for each individual. Cause I really do think there's a correlation between that and the sibling bickering. And I know it's hard. Um, when the bickering is happening, I was going to say, I like to stay like 75% like disengaged and aloof and like 25% present, but just like hovering. And I listen for, I listen for a distinction between the kind of bickering that I can ignore, which is usually like where someone's annoyed, the other person's aggravating them, but it tends to shift with the day or the mood or the situation like sometimes one is kind of picking on the other and sometimes the other is the aggressor and if it seems like there's relatively a balance there I tend to ignore a lot of that or I just take steps for my own sanity so I might leave the room or you know something like that if there's a persistent um, relationship dynamic that really feels unhealthy and that would be for me it would be like you know, one is being truly domineering and bossy all of the time and the other one's resorting to like bad behavior or whining or tantrums. And it just seems like it's the same dynamic. I tend to ignore that less. And I might just, I might just try to proactively not put them in that situation. And I know that's hard and a little bit vague, but you know, when you baby proof, like when, you know, when you have a one and a half year old and you look at a room and you know, the problem areas, right? Like you kind of go around and you kind of make sure that they can't get into too much trouble. I almost feel like with sibling relationships, we, at least with my kids, I know the scenarios that are not going to end well. It's usually when Violet feels like she's out of her league and she feels like she has to perform or be as good as the big kids. And it's a recipe for disaster. So I might steer them into an activity that's not going to create that dynamic. So I guess that that whole piece of advice is be listen and kind of be like a student of your kids fighting. And you might be able to separate what's ignorable and what's preventable, I guess. With older kids too. And, and one thing, and this is totally a a generalization, which may or may not actually play out. It's just something I've witnessed. I do think that close in age, same sex siblings tend to have those really, really bickery relationships, sometimes more than other kinds of configurations, Mm -hmm. which would be like, further apart in age or opposite genders. Like I just, I've seen that play out a little bit differently. And the the thing that you're talking about these dynamics. So just something to look for, or to, I guess validate that it's can be normal for two, you know, sisters, two years apart to like bitterly fight or mm-hmm. two brothers, two years apart to punch each other a lot or whatever. Um, I've seen those play out again and again and again. But the other thing is peep those dynamics, like kids learn what works and what doesn't work they're very astute Mm -hmm. and they will retreat to their dynamic of choice, which sometimes means some kids will go real quiet and not fight 
And those kids, it sometimes it looks like they're being rewarded because no one's like no adult is calling them out for being obnoxious mm-hmm. or fighting or whatever. But actually, they're being punished really in a way because they can disappear or they can get real quiet and sneaky and they can become silent instigators. Mm-hmm. So like listening is really important, but you can't always trust your ears or your adult interpretation right. of the like situation. Right, like the loudest one is not necessarily the, the Yeah, just because yeah. one is screaming doesn't mean they started it and they might be the most annoying in the moment, but that doesn't mean they're at fault. Sibling dynamics are very complicated is, is what is my, uh, <laughs> is what I'm getting at here. And they will outgrow it to some degree. And, and most of the time it's not going to be like damaging, right? but it is a thing. Yeah, no. And it's hard when yeah. you have to listen to it when they're in your house. It's right. like, it's such a bummer. I use the word buzzkill a lot and that's not really like, yeah. I don't actually have a buzz going that I, anyone is killing, but it right. is, it's, it puts a damper on the mood. So I can validate that. My last couple of things I was just going to say, you know, provide some opportunities for success. I will do I will do things like I will say I will come right up adjacent to bribes and threats without ever really calling something a bribe or a threat. <laughs> so I will say, for example, um, I need some help with dinner in the kitchen. So your choice right now is either to go play with go play well with each other. And that includes helping younger siblings and including them. Or I'll find a job for you in the kitchen. Totally up to you. <laughs> Really, what I'm saying is play nice or I'll put you to work. But I kind of phrase it in a way like you have a choice of two activities. One of them involves getting along with each other and staying out of my business. So um, you might have little like some little tradition or some little activity that, you know, they can do well together, just like, you know, the things that will trigger some fighting. You might know some things that they really can do well together and then look for opportunities to kind of complement that success and compliment the older one. Thank you so much for being patient, because I know you know, I know you were ready to move on from that game and you helped your sister because she was ready. And then thank the younger one. You know, I know that was hard for you and I know you wanted to hit her, but you didn't. And I noticed that. So look for all those opportunities to kind of, you know, praise the progress and acknowledge when they get along. And, you know, I've even told my kids, it bums me out to hear this. Like, I know you love each other. I know it's all going to be fine, but it bums me out. So just so you know, this is hard for me to listen to. And I think that's okay for kids to know too, that like, they're the, the dynamic they're bringing has an effect on the whole house. Now, if they're stuck in a truly like kind of ugly pattern, they're not going to be able to, they're not gonna be able to fix it just to give you a better day. But I think the older kids get, and you've been really good about giving this advice, Megan, like the older kids get, it's okay to tell them like, I, I want a more peaceful house. Like, I don't want you to fight in this room. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit more as they get older, but I think it's okay for them to know that it's a bummer to have to listen to. They might not act on it when they're little, but it's okay for them to know it at any stage, I think. And, you know, as they get older, they'll figure out how to how to incorporate, like how to control their behavior, which will be harder when they're small. But yeah, I agree. Okay, we are going to take a question. And this listener asked to remain anonymous. Um, And this is kind of a challenging Oh, a challenging issue. So I'll paraphrase here, but this listener has three kids and her neighbors have three little kids and the kids play outside in front in the cul-de-sac all the time. Um, I can relate to that. We have a very like front yard neighborhood here too. We don't have a cul-de-sac, but, um, and the families get along great. Um, but the father of the other family has on more than one occasion 
parented her kids, this listener's kids, in a way that felt like yelling. So first her boys came home and said, Mom, the dad, you know, across the cul-de-sac is yelling at us. He's mean. And it sounds like she kind of carefully watched the situation. It sounds like she observed it, her husband observed it, and kind of validated her kids saying, he's not, this is not like they weren't in danger or being abused or anything. But the guy next door, the father next door is is um, reprimanding them in a way that did not feel good to her kids. And, you know, after observing it, did not feel good to her, or her husband. Is that kind of how you read this, Megan? Yeah, for sure. Yep. And and so now she's trying to figure out, like, kind of how to manage that friendship. Um, it sounds like she doesn't want the kids to stop playing together. She just doesn't want them to sort of be like alone in each other's backyard. Right. Or so it's this so, whole yeah. front yard, front yard versus in the house thing. And I can see this playing out in my neighborhood a little bit, too. It's like it's one thing of everybody's. Um, playing out front because it's like neutral territory and the parents are usually there, especially when there's yeah. little kids around. But if it comes to like, hey, come inside my house, let's play video games or let's go in the backyard or let's like go up to my bedroom, that takes the play date to a new level. And so yes. what this listener has done so far is it sounds like this was the beginning of the school year. So she used the excuse like, hey, we're just going to kind of take a break from all this extra play time to get used to the new school year, which first of all, pro, I love that excuse because it's a, it's a really good excuse it's pretty true like it is right. a good time to kind of reset the playtime routines so I think that was a great first step to just say okay we're gonna we're gonna take a break from so much playtime but now I think what she's wondering is like how do you kind of break up with this family it sounds like she does think a breakup is best she does not want her kids over there in their backyard being parented right. by these other parents that she doesn't feel good about but she doesn't want to totally lose the relationship because they're neighbors and friends that's kind of how yeah 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 so first of all i will say that the break i think makes will make it much easier for you to move forward in a more um restricted way like and and i don't i guess the question i would have um for anonymous is what are you gonna say when the neighbor kids say you know can you come into the backyard right do you say this isn't a good time. We'll talk later. I mean, I think any, yeah. I think there's a many ways you could handle this. I think that you could just do the perpetual put off, yeah. which I've done. Yeah. Like, just perpetually put off. It's yep. never a good time. There's always something else going on. Sorry. Or even, you know, if it's a kid asking, it's kind of easy. Sometimes kids don't always ask a lot of questions about like why something won't work. And you yeah. can just say, uh, no, I'd rather they just, you guys stay out front and play yeah. and ride your bikes. And you don't have to say anything more than that. The question is what if the parents ask yeah. or are press, how, how willing are you anonymous to be really honest um, about the reasons and are you willing to lose this friendship for yourself? That's like kind of the where it gets tricky. And yeah. Sarah, I don't know if you've had this situation before I've handled different things, different ways. And I've only ever had one family where I completely like cut off contact yeah. and it was pretty egregious. So I, I mean, I feel like I would white lie for a long yeah. time in this situation. I mean, I, and maybe I'll get flack for saying that, but especially because it sounds like the two moms get along well, the families right. get along well. So I think I would do the perpetual put off. Uh, she already did a great thing by using kind of a, a true excuse like, hey, it's the beginning of the right. school year. We're going to cut back on the backyard play dates. Um, I think I would continue to add those types of harmless little white lies like, gosh, our schedule has been so busy or we're doing a new dinner time routine. So we're all going to be inside at five o'clock, <laughs> like whatever, yeah, whatever you've got to do. I mean, I don't know that that's the right thing. I think that's how I would handle it. Um, I, I also think it would be interesting to watch her kids. I think she was really smart to watch her kids 
reaction. She didn't have a like a knee jerk reaction to this. Like she didn't mm-hmm. say like, oh, my gosh, that dad yelled at my kids once and we're never going to be friends we're again. Done. Right. It sounds like she her her boys on more than one occasion said, you know, the dad next door is yelling at us when we're right. over there. And then she took the time to observe. So I would continue to observe her boys. They're seven and nine. So they're old enough. And if they are not missing out on those if they're not like crying and whining to go over to the neighbors to play upstairs, they're probably ready for their own different friendships to evolve. And it's probably a really natural time for the families to go their separate ways a little. If they are missing their buddies, um, I, you know, I might pay attention to that too. And maybe like, maybe there's a way to like, the thing with neighbor playdates is it's so hard because they're almost never scheduled. They just right, happen. They just happen. But yep. maybe there is a like maybe there's a way to plan something fun on neutral territory. Like, hey, we're all going to the park. Do you guys want to come? And just yep. you could then sort of um, have the kids get to be able to see their friends. So you're not depriving them of those relationships if, in fact, they're really missing them. But you're you're arranging it and you're just being that little bit of proactive to do it on neutral territory. Um, and then. I don't know. Yeah, I think the big question is, what if either the kids themselves or the parents across the cul-de-sac say, hey, what's going on? Are you avoiding us? Or, hey, mom, why don't we ever get to play together with them anymore? And that's the big question is like, how honest are you in that moment? Yeah. And I think for, you know, I think that looking at the age difference between the kids it is also very natural that the kids, assuming, you know, your anonymous is nine and seven year olds aren't super bummed out about this kind of waning friendship yeah and it sounds like maybe they they it doesn't sound like she's pushed it too hard and also the boys know that there's a reason mom is doing this like the boys are are in on it right right so like they understand what's kind of what's going on yeah and it's very natural for kids to kind of start pulling away from neighbor friends when they have friends their own age maybe or they get involved in activities outside so yeah, I think that that's a really good plan. I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, Sarah. And I have to say, I my feeling is the chances of these parents actually putting them on the spot is very slim. Yeah. I, I mean, unless they were best friends and right. it just totally ended, I don't see it happening. I agree. I agree. I think this is probably one where you can uh, naturally, organically and um, safely extract yourself without too much drama. Um, maybe we should spend a minute though, Megan, talking about this idea of other people yelling at your kids. Have you, yeah. has that ever come up for you or have you, cause that's oh, yeah. kind of a specific thing. Um, and I actually have memories as a kid because I did not grow up in a house where anyone yelled like that. Um, I have memories as a kid of being very, very intimidated by other adults who had a more yelly, tone and and I I was never like it nothing ever escalated by any means I was never like harmed or anything but it's it's intimidating if you are not from a yelly house and someone else's dad or mom I remember a mom in particular that would just yell at her kids and I it was it was scary as a kid yeah and I think too there's there's a spectrum right so if you come from a house that's very calm and very peaceful and people don't raise their voices very much or whatever I mean I could sound yelly to some kids because I will be the kid who's like it eh. or the mom who's like, eh, nope, what you're doing right now? Or I'll see a kid and I'm, you know, at the pool and I'm like walking feet, walking feet. Cause I can't help myself. Yeah. And like, That's not, you are I, not you know, a yelly mom though. Well, but yeah, I know what you mean. But, but I, but I raise my voice and I think sometimes even that can be a little startling. So I think remembering that there's a spectrum is one place to start and trusting your gut and your kid's gut. I mean, there's a difference between a kid being a little taken aback because someone speaks to them a little differently than they're used to, or has a different house rule. 
which is normal, right? right? And actually a good thing. Um, and someone being to the point where you're like, this is not okay. And this is not, this is making my kid feel bad, not uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, I think can be okay. It's like, it's getting used to something new, but like when it's uncomfortable to a, this is not right. And I feel poorly now because, and I don't want to be there or I'm stressed or whatever. Um, I will also say to flip this the other way, the family that I grew up in was not, we weren't yelly people, but we're loud. And yeah, you know, and um, Jenna's parents were so quiet Mm -hmm. that I like had a really hard time around her parents for a long time. I thought they didn't like me. So yeah, (laughs) which is kind of funny, right? It's, it's just like opposite ends of the same token. Yeah. Um, which is funny to know them now, you know, 25 years later and just to realize that her dad just doesn't speak a lot. And so, um, he probably liked me all along, but so there's discomfort and then there's the other thing. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's really good. And they're also, this whole situation is taking place at an age where kids are starting to be more independent and they will be around other people's parents more. I, if I were this listener, I would also feel really, really good about the fact that her boys came to her and said, wait, I don't like the way that dad talks to me. Um, I mean, that is what you want to encourage. Like you want those kids to continue to come to you and say, Hey, so-and-so's house is weird. I don't like it because of this. And some of the time that may just be their, their naive interpretation of a family that's different, but sometimes it may be a red flag for something and you want to encourage that. So I think she should feel really good about the fact that the boys have come to her and, and the boys are really lucky that she and her husband are taking it seriously enough. So um, it's like a sticky situation, but I feel like it's one that, hidden in here are some good nuggets of learning and growth and all of that. Yeah. All right, Megan, this is 2022 Megan and Sarah again. (laughs) Um, That was really fun and hopefully helpful for those of you who are navigating any kind of tricky get along situation. So I wanted to throw out a call for listener questions, new ones that are holiday themed Um, Megan, we are going to be doing a holiday edition listener questions this year. We don't do that every holiday season. Um, We've done it like every other year or so. Um, But if you send us your listener questions that are holiday themed before December 5th, Monday, December 5th, we especially love the voicemails. And hopefully after listening today, you kind of hear how fun it is to hear from moms all around the country and the world. So send us your listener questions to hello at themomhour.com. Those holiday-themed ones, get them in before December 5th. And we are doing a whole brand new episode, not from the archives this time, but brand new questions and answers uh, later in December. So get those in. Can't wait for that. Um, also, happy Thanksgiving to everybody who is celebrating. I know we have some international listeners who either they don't do it or it's a totally different time. Right. So for you... Happy regular week. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday with house rules for gifting and giving. That's where we ask our community for their house rules. And I'm always blown away by how smart yeah. and creative and resourceful the moms in our community are. So look forward to that. And we will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you liked today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. 
That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.